here's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We've been in a series called Love and Marriage. And so maybe this is your first time in the room. Maybe you, you hadn't been with us um, over the last couple weeks. But we've just been talking a lot about this whole thing, about love and sex and relationships and marriage. And really trying to, trying to, to do it in such a way to talk about a lot of the things that you guys face on a daily basis as it pertains to all of this. Um, because I think there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that you guys are, are dealing with every single day and things that our culture puts in front of your face and it's attractive and it looks so great on the surface. And we buy into all of that kind of stuff and yet a lot of times, as we talked about last week, with anything that the world touches, man, it gets, it gets screwed up, it gets tainted, it gets distorted. And so what our desire for you guys as we've been charting through this series is to, to help you guys understand God's perspective and how God has created us to experience love and marriage. It's not something we should be afraid of, not something we should shy away from, but rather God has created it because it's, it's incredible. And he created it for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. And when we choose to do it God's way, man, it, there's nothing better than that. But if we, don't, if we don't guard our heart, if we don't protect ourselves, if we choose to kind of listen and buy into the things that our culture is telling us, then it can cause a lot of damage. Now tonight in particular, we're doing something a lot different in that we're going to give you guys a chance to hear some stories from, from some others. Um, rather than hearing me ramble on for 30 minutes like you guys get a chance to do most weeks, um, is give, give you guys a chance to hear personal stories. Because, and the cool thing about this is all of us have stories. All of us have stories and things that, that we've been through and experiences that we've been through. And our story, in a lot of ways, can either be mistakes that we've made and things that we've come through and how we've learned from that and how God has used that pain in our past or those experiences that we've been through to kind of help shape us into who we are today. And yet, in, in some cases, maybe some of our, our stories have a lot of where we've, we've chosen to, to go God's route and we've, we've chosen to, to honor God and to seek out what God wants and God has blessed us and we've, we've seen how God has protected us in a lot of ways, and we've seen the fruits of that because we've chosen to do it God's way. And so all of us have a story, and so the cool thing tonight is you're going to have a chance to hear just completely different perspectives, and how, and, and our prayer is that you guys would, would take bits and pieces from each of these stories that you hear, and that God would use that to change who you are and draw you into a deeper walk with Him. Does that sound cool? Amen. So I want to introduce you guys to our panel tonight. You've already met Sho, and uh, so he's, he was... Uh, gracious enough to be hanging out with us tonight. Uh, you guys know Jeremy Whitehead. Jeremy is, <laughs> you can clap, you can clap, it's okay. Jeremy, Jeremy is our high school intern and um, has been, been that and also been a leader in our student ministry for the last few years. Uh, and then Mary Canavan, a lot of you girls know her. Right. She apparently is the most popular of our panel. Uh, Mary, Mary's been involved in our student ministry for the last few years as a small group leader and is, is involved in a lot of stuff here at Westridge and is just phenomenal. And so, um, so I'm excited to have you guys here. Appreciate you, you, guys, you guys being willing to talk. So we're going to start with, with Mr. Whitehead over here. So I mentioned how Jeremy is right now is a, is a high school intern with us. He's been a small group leader for a couple years. But maybe a lot of you guys don't know this in that Jeremy actually grew up in this student ministry. So the cool thing is, is that Jeremy, not too long ago, was sitting where you guys are sitting. He was a high school guy who sometimes paid attention and sometimes didn't. Um, 
and, uh, and has, God has, has kind of used that as he's grown up through the student ministry and now as he's a newlywed um, for a little over a year. And so he's got just kind of a cool perspective. So Jeremy, we'll start with you. Um, as crazy as it is for you probably that just a few years ago you were sitting here as a high schooler in, in this ministry. So talk, talk for just a minute about maybe what your mindset was when you were a high school guy and you were sitting in this chair. What was your mindset at, when it came to love and, and marriage and relationship? Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was a high school student, uh, I really just uh, didn't have any set view of, of what I wanted in a, in a girlfriend or a relationship. So basically, if uh, she was attractive and, and could talk quite well, then she was, she was a good game. And so, uh, but... For, for me, that, that ended up causing a lot of problems because I knew what I wanted. I just didn't um, look for that. I, I, it didn't uh, come to me that I, I should look for that in a relationship. So I would get into these relationships, and then I knew what I, I wanted, and then these people wouldn't be that. And then we'd have all these problems, and I'd come away wondering, man, why, why, is, this, why is this not working? Is, is it me? Is it my fault? What's going on? And uh, so my, between my senior year and my freshman year of college, I went through about, and don't laugh, but it was probably about eight relationships back to back that either within two months we were either kind of talking. Y'all still, y'all still talk, right? That's still before you date, you talk? Okay, just making sure. Um, so we, either I was talking to a girl for, for like a month or two, and then it just kind of ended, or she wanted to date someone else, or we were kind of dating, and I use the word dating loosely, like we kind of talked on the phone, and we might have went on like a date once, but um, but the, but it would just it would just end, and I mean crazy stuff. Just it just didn't work out, and so you know I get to the the end of this, and I'm just wondering, you know, what's going on? And and looking back on that, I really see see God protecting me in that from from really bad relationships, and that at the time it hurt because I felt like, man, what's wrong with me? Why 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 are you doing this, God? What's what's going on here? But, but looking back at my life, God was just protecting me, saying, hey, hey, I love you, and I see the future of these relationships, and they're not for your good. And so I'm, I'm going to end these relationships through my means. And that might hurt a little, but I'm protecting you from, from further harm, because that's not what, what's good for you. Um, I, I feel like we have this view of God as a, an ambulance driver that arrives to the scene of the, the accidents of our lives and tries to put the pieces back together, but more often he's, he's kind of like the doctor, he's the surgeon, and he sees something bad in our life that's, that's cancerous, that's destructive to us, and even though it might hurt, he, he takes a, a scalpel and starts cutting it out because he knows it's for our good, and, and it's just how he loves us, and so in that God was saying, hey, I'm going to protect you from these bad relationships, I love you too much to let you go down that path, and it end up bad for you. So, so you said you, your mindset was you got into a lot of bad relationships. Um, w- the realization that God was protecting you, is that something you realized in that time? Were there, were there decisions you had to make as a result of some of those poor relationships that maybe helped open your eyes to see that? Yeah, um, after that, that time period of all those relationships, I just kind of got to the end of that and was, don't have the mindset I have now, but was just really confused and and really what was going on and trying to figure out life. And so I just uh, made a decision to, to say, I'm just going to not date for, for a year. I, I just feel like that would be distracting me from God. And 
And I just really felt like if I wanted to be the, God, the man God called me to be and I wanted to have the relation God wanted me to have, then I needed to, to focus on God first and, and figure my relationship with him out before I tried to start these other relationships. And really what I, what I found out was that I kept trying to, to meet the girl and fall in love. But during that year process, I ended up falling in love with God you know, and, and just really learning to love him and learning to accept that he loves me for me and uh, growing in a relationship with him like I would another person as I spend time with someone. I grow in a relationship with him, and that's what happened to God. I began spending time with God and growing in my relationship with him, and it was just a really beautiful point in my life. So then maybe shortly after that, God had mercy on your soul and brought your now wife to you, Caroline, who Amen. I think is in the room somewhere. Somewhere. In the, she's in the back. She's probably hiding somewhere. So now that, so you've been married a little bit over a year now, right? Almost two. Almost two. Mm. God bless you. So what are what would you say are one or two things you've learned in the last almost two years that maybe you could challenge as a as a high school guy sitting here now going, man, marriage is a long way off. I don't really have to think about that now. Maybe what are one or, one or two things that you've learned as a husband now that maybe you could challenge the, the guys in the room on? Yeah, I would, um, I would definitely uh, challenge you just to, to not put preparing for that off because, you know, I was in the seat. I was a senior, and I didn't know three years later I'd be, I'd be married and, and all that stuff. And, and so it could happen to you, you know, a year, two years, three years out of high school, and you could be married. And so you want to start preparing for that that now, and I would say the, the, the biggest thing for me would be just understanding my role as the husband, my role as the, the man in the relationship, and not that I'm, uh, you know, God set me as the head of the household, but not that I'm this tyrannical ruler, but that I'm, I'm a servant leader, just like Jesus modeled. Um, and for that, that means for me that, that I'm going to try and, and serve my wife, that I'm going to try and, and lead her and help her and not not say, hey, wife, go make me a sandwich, um, but, but that I, I'm saying, she hey, anyway. yeah, she, she wouldn't, but, um, <laughs> no. but, um, but, but for me, it was, it was just, an, and I think Romans 12.10 really says it. It says, love each other with a genuine affection and, and outdo one another in honor, and for me, that was, that was what I wanted my relationship to be like with my wife. So when it came to me and my wife, I wanted it to be a competition of us trying to outdo each other and serving each other and honoring each other. That would be a competition like, hey, I'm winning today. I'm doing better than you. I outserved you today. And, and then she'd be like, obviously, because you're awesome. And I'd be like, I'm just kidding. You did it. But yeah, so <laughs> because I graciously let her win because I love her. But, but I, I, would, I would really say that was, that, that was it, just learning that. That, that leading is serving. It's not uh, a dictatorship. It's not commanding what go, goes on, but it's saying, hey, if I want to lead you, it, it looks like serving. And, and for you as high school students right now, you don't have a, a wife to serve, but, but you can serve at your homes. You can serve your families. You can, you can start doing those things now and putting that into practice to, to say, hey, if I want to be the man God wants me to be, then it starts with serving. All right, Mary. Mary Canavan. I just got really nervous. <laughs> she's, she's outnumbered by the dudes, so she's a little nervous about that. So, Mary, talk a little bit about, as, 
as you and I were talking over last week, and, and I learned parts of your story that I had was, was previously unaware of, which was cool. Um, so you, even though you're a leader now in our student ministry, when you were in high school, you were far from God. You, you did not have a relationship with Christ. So talk a little bit about that and maybe how that impacted you in terms of, of relationships that you were in. Yeah, um, so growing up, we, we would go to church, but it was more of we were going because it was the right thing to do. Um, so once I learned how to drive and got a car, I stopped going because I didn't have to ride with my family. Um, so I personally didn't really... I wasn't really presented with the gospel, the true gospel, until I was about 18, um, the end of senior year going into um, college. But um, that affected my relationships in high school tremendously. Um, And it also, I mean, it affected every other aspect of my life, er every other area of it as well. Um, So in high school, I I dated um, a bunch of different guys. We, me and Lauren Marshall actually sat down and um, we kind of talked about it, and I realized that in high school, I don't think I was ever truly single. Um, if, it, if I wasn't dating one guy, I was dating the next guy. Um, so, and in my relationships, I know a lot of times a lot of people um, in relationships, they make it more about themselves. Um, but for me, I was always making it more about um, the other person and making sure that they were happy. And even if that meant that I wasn't happier, even if that meant that um, they weren't being the right type of um, boyfriend to me. So that being said, I dated this one guy in high school. Um, We dated in freshman year, and we dated all up until senior year, and we were on and off, but more so we we were more on, I guess. Um, But he became, like I said, when in my relationships, I always made it more about the other person. And a lot of times, not that that is a harmful thing, um, but in this situation it was because he actually over, like, a month of us dating, he started to become really sexually abusive, and so I started to, um, you know, stop hanging out with friends, stopped kind of any communication with anyone, and just became um, super numb to a lot of things, and that affected a lot of areas in my life as well. Um, So, that being said, when I was in high school, it was never, um, I don't think I ever really had a godly relationship until the very end of high school. Um, when I, I was dating a boy and he just really, he loved the Lord. Um, and through that and through him loving on me and taking me to church and stuff like that, I was able to accept Christ. So. Cool. That's awesome. So now fast forward a few years, you're in your early twenties, single lady. So what, (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that. What, what would you say now and maybe describe what your perspective is in terms of thinking ahead to you know, your future marriage and maybe some decisions that you've made to kind of prepare you for what lies ahead? Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I heard a pastor say once is that um, it was during a relationship series, and he was saying, are you who you are looking for is looking for. So one of my number one things about the man that I marry, the boy that I am going to date that's going to end up being my husband, is does he love, is he going to love Jesus more than he loves me? And um, the first time I heard that, I remember thinking, like, well, that's kind of weird, but I want him to love me. I remember being very selfish about that. Um, so, number one, he has to love Jesus more than he loves me, because if he doesn't love Jesus, he's not going to love me the way that I want to be loved and the way that I need to be loved. Um, 
Second thing, I want him to be a student of the word. So I can't expect someone to be a student of the word if I'm not being a student of the word. And I can't expect someone to be awesome with money and financial problem or financial stuff if I'm not being wise with my money as well. Um, so just understanding that the things that I'm going to be accepting or expecting of him, I need to be expecting that of myself as well. Um, and I've also set up boundaries, like with my guy friends, um, because it's so easy as girls for us to, um, I guess, just like every single boy that we see. And if a boy really loves Jesus, like, that's really attractive. So we have to set up boundaries. And that's hard because a lot of times guy friends, or I know in my situation, I've had some guy friends think that I don't even want to hang out with them, when in reality I'm just trying to guard my heart from them, um, guard my heart in that situation. Um, so expecting, what I'm expecting of him, I need to be expecting of myself as well. Um, I have to put up tons of boundaries. And um, I, I mean, just guarding my heart in general, I guess, is the biggest thing. And, um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, you obviously do a, an incredible job by the amount of cheers from the girls that love you. And you have a chance every single week to pour into them and invest in them. But... Now, with this opportunity to have a chance to kind of speak truth into a room full of ladies, mm-hmm. would there, what's something maybe that you would say to challenge them or encourage them from where they're sitting now in terms of dating and relationships mm-hmm. and, and being ready for what God has for them one day? I think it would be silly of us up on stage and even silly as the leaders and even the leadership um, within the student ministry to think that you guys haven't done things. Um, to think that you guys haven't had sex or that you guys haven't, you know, fooled around with people. Um, so I want you guys to know, and this is even to the guys too, but more specifically to the ladies. Um, there is, if you guys have messed up before, there is hope for you. And there's not hope in, well, now I'm, it's okay, I'll stop doing that. Like, that's not the hope that you have, or you don't have to, the hope isn't you cleaning yourself up or making yourself, like, look like you're okay on the outside or anything like that, which is what I did a lot in high school. Um, The hope is in Jesus because of what he's done for you. Um, And kind of similar to what Jeremy was saying was he was saying, um, you're talking about rejection a little bit. Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned during this season of my life is that rejection is the Lord's protection. And um, you are probably not going to see that, right, in the right in the middle of the situation, um, kind of like Jeremy. I mean, you were saying you didn't really, you didn't really see it as his protection right then and there. Um, so that I think that would just be the biggest thing for you guys, and especially for you ladies, is that there's a boy that doesn't want to date you because you don't want to do things with him, or there's a boy that doesn't want to date you because you haven't done things. Praise the Lord, that boy is not your boyfriend because he should not be, he not he should not be expecting that of you. Um, so just keep in mind that rejection is the Lord's protection, that you are absolutely loved by God, and he, he wants to show that to you. And the best way that he can show that to you is by giving you, well, one, his son. He already gave you his son. But he wants to show you that in your relationships and in your marriage as well. Great. All right, show. Thanks. First of all, you hurt my feelings by saying we couldn't rap together. Somebody had to tell you, man. That hurt. It, just, it was just me. I, that's hurt. because I love you. That hurt. I refuse to lie to you. 
Amen. Uh, see? <laughs> good word right <laughs> there. That's a good word. Don't encourage him. Hey, man, so the song you just did, We Can Be More, um, speaks a little bit in terms of maybe past mistakes or you look into, you know, things that had happened in, um, in the past as it, as it pertains to sex and relationships and things like that. Um, maybe you want to speak into that a little bit in terms of maybe share your story or when you were a teenager, you know, just some of the stuff that you had gone through and maybe some of the experiences that you had and how that shaped you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think it's important to communicate that um, although I had both parents in the house, uh, I noticed that my, my parents' relationship was a very rocky relationship. And so growing up, I never really saw a healthy, not even, a, we weren't godly household by any means. I mean, we could claim to be Christians, but when you talk about relationships, it wasn't even a healthy relationship in, in, in the world's perspective. And so I never really saw a man love the, love his wife in a way that, you know, God communicated. And so for me, that's impactful for a young man because especially when you look to men for examples of what it looks like or how to be a man, um, you're, if you're not getting it from your house, you're going to get it from somewhere. And so I got it from my neighborhood, uh, and I got it the way that a lot of us are getting it. It's through TV and media. And so Hollywood, I love movies. And so if, if a film told me to have sex with as many women as possible, then that's what a man does. And so that's what I did. If a movie told me never to really show your true emotions to a lady because that's cowardly or that's being a punk, then I guess I got to carry this particular machismo about me. Um, if, uh, and I was also introduced to pornography at a young age, which was very dangerous. And so my, my perspective of women were objective. And so um, you, you met a young lady for the purposes of, sleeping with them, and then once you're done with what you did, then you let them go, and you just kind of move on to, to conquer the next objective and goal. And so that went on all the way through high school, uh, even through college, and until I became a Christian in college. And even in college, I, had a, I was in a relationship with a young lady, and I became a Christian, and I was so adamant. I got, she, she, she was an idol in my life that I did not get to the point where I reconciled that, man, if Jesus is Lord over my life, then I should, like, there's no room for affections for anything else. And, but at this point, I was rationalizing all these ideas. Well, she's asked me about Jesus a couple times, so it's okay, because she wasn't a Christian. And, you know, I was compromising at times, even after I became a Christian. And then I, it got to the point that I realized, like, I am grieving the Lord right now. Like, I am I'm not only grieving the Lord, but I am misrepresenting the actions and the lifestyle of somebody who is confessing to, to be a believer. And so I had to break up with her. And it was a painful thing because I thought she was my world. Um, and at some, at some point she was, kind of like Sister Mary was saying, like, uh, she, every, Mary, is, is your name Mary? Your name is Mary, right? Okay, I didn't know if I said that right. <laughs> like, Sister Mary. <laughs> um, uh, Whatever my uh, whatever she wanted, I did, and so that became a, a unhealthy kind of portrait and characteristic of myself. And so um, it wasn't until I truly understood the gospel and what the gospel meant at that point I said, "Man, God desires to be preeminent. He doesn't desire to be first and other things second, third, and fourth. He wants to be first in my relationships. He wants to be first in my job. He wants to be first in my music career. He wants to be first in every aspect of life. And so everything that I filter, 
I filter through the gospel. I think, man, how would God want me to maneuver through this relationship? Does he even want me to be in this relationship? Um, and I also realized that I wasn't even mature enough to maintain a healthy relationship. Um, and I think a lot of us in this room will have to understand that. It's like we want to seek companionship, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of us are not even mature enough to handle the simple responsibilities that we have at home. Some of us aren't even mature enough to handle the simple responsibilities that we have at school. So you're definitely not mature enough to disciple another individual because that's what marriage and relationship is. It's a mutual edification of drawing each other up to the Lord, that hoping um, that uh, that person grows in excellence. So So now you fast forward, you've been married for over... Ten years? N- not, not yet. I'm not that oh, old. Almost. Almost ten years. Okay, so I didn't mean to rush it. Yeah, don't, don't so add years to me. Almost ten years. Your father. Yeah. So n- now you've you're experiencing it God's way, right? In terms of marriage and and things like that. And maybe there's students in the room that look and go, "All right, I, I hear your story, and and I, I see the media, and I watch the movies, and I see what the culture's feeding you. What's why is that? Why is that such a, a bad thing? You know, and for a guy that's that's tasted both, you you tasted the world's way, and now you you know you're experiencing the way that God has created. How would you? What would you say to a student, maybe in, in terms of comparing the differences between the two, and why God's way would be better? Yeah. Ultimately, it's all empty. The, like Ecclesiastes talks about, the, it's all vanity, and it's such a it's such a dense book, but it's so profitable if you can wrap your hand around it. And so, and I'll just do my my feeble attempt of when you look at the world and all that it promises and the world does a good job of taking a good thing and corrupting it. Sex is a wonderful thing. I know that because I'm married. Um, uh, uh, Companionship is a wonderful thing. There's a lot of things that are wonderful, but what the world does is they corrupt it. And so what they've done is they've taken things like sex and they corrupt it with pornography or Hollywood takes relationships and they make relationships seem like that's something that's going to hold you down like, no person, no man should want that. Like, just live free. And at the end of the day, when you, when you chase and you, and you go after all these things that they sell you, at the end of the day, you realize how empty you are. Like, you, you, I, I went through a, a, a time period where I, my father played professional football and my brother played um, big-time college football. And so I just knew that I was going to be a football player. Uh, once those – I chased it, I chased it, I chased it. And once I realized that, man, this is empty – my heart wanted something else. So then I, I chased after drugs. And once I smoked this and I did that, and I, I just realized, man, this is, I'm still empty. Like this, I don't feel significant anymore. I don't feel like I'm satisfied. So then it was just like, hey, well, let me just try to have sex with as many people as possible. And then once you realize that you, it's, it's all vanity, it's like, man, that's not fulfilling me. Uh, and until you really realize the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only true satisfaction, that if you're, the, the creator is the only thing that can satisfy is creation. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, uh, what, I, what I would like to communicate is that man, marriage has done a wonderful job of, 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 of taking all those things that I wanted, companionship, uh, physical uh, relationships and, and all that, but doing it in a proper perspective where God is honored and his worship and his glory is unto him. Um, and uh, okay, well, I think you have another question because I was going to. No, it's all good. Keep going. What, one of the things that I will say, um, and this is going to be very important, uh, I know, I'm not, I'm not stupid, I know a lot of us in here are struggling with pornography, and uh, I was once told 
although it's such an easy thing to get a hold of, it's, and it's, there's, there's really a, no accountability. Like, you can get on your laptop, on your phone, and it's just it's so accessible. For these young men in here, I'm going to let you know that it's, for, for a moment, it's going to be a wonderful thing. But in the end, it's going to ruin you. It's going to lead you to a point where all you're going to want is more, more, more. And the reality of it is, is when you get married, all you're going to do is do comparing uh, of, your, of your wife to all these sexual images. And you're, you're, you're feeding a beast that can never be satisfied. And, it's, and I would encourage you guys that for those who are struggling to, to nip that now, to find accountability, to take desperate measures. Like if you have a laptop and you, and you know that's a struggle, well, then if you even have to go as far as selling your laptop, do that because it's worth saving your soul later than not having a laptop now. And for my sisters, you watching TV and uh, what is it, the, uh, the werewolf movies? What's this? The, the Twilight series. It's, it, it, it may not be physical porn, but it's emotional porn. And what it does to a lot of these young ladies, it creates this false reality of relationships. Like, there's very few men out there who are chiseled and who are going to listen to every word that you say. And they're going to be perfect. And they're just going to, their hair is going to be bleached a certain way. And they're going to be just, oh, they'll jump in front of a train for you, but, but live again because they can never die. <laughs> what that does is it creates this false sense of hope and this false reality because guess what? You're jacked up. Your, your husband or your spouse is going to be jacked up. And it's two jacked up people coming together and saying, how can we make this thing work by us both being jacked up and not killing each other at the end of the day? And so I would encourage you guys... I would just encourage you guys to be careful what you let feed, you, feed your soul because although it's entertainment to some, the reality is, is there's a message being communicated. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, as we close tonight, I want to, um, I want to close by reading the verse that has been kind of the verse that we've, we've read every week over the course of the series, and that's Proverbs 4.23. And uh, it's in your notes. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. And we talked a lot about, over the course of this series, about the importance of guarding our hearts as it pertains to sex or relationships or marriage. Um, and man, our desire for you guys is to experience God's best in this. To not buy into all of the lies and all of the stuff. That, that for you guys to guard your hearts so that you guys can experience what God wants for you in this area. But the reality is, is that we can't really guard our heart until God has redeemed our heart. And until we can talk about, you know, waiting until marriage, or we can talk about, you know, becoming right now, working on being the best guy we can be, or the best girl we can be, or, you know, focusing on our future in marriage and, and, and having that idea of what we want and all that kind of stuff. And all of that is great. But until God has first changed us, until we have, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we've received the forgiveness and allowed God to change our heart and to redeem our heart, then all of that other stuff doesn't really matter. And we talked about last week about how marriage, the marriage relationship is such a, a cool picture and a symbol of Christ and the church. And we can't really fully understand that and be committed to that until we understand what Christ has done for us. Until we understand what the cross means and what the cross represents for us. That when we were far from God, that God has brought us near because of the cross. And God has set us free from 
from the lies that we bought into and from all of the sin that's in our life. And God has then, because he's redeemed our heart, now he can uh, enable us and help us guard it and protect us to experience what God wants for us. And so maybe some of you guys are in the room tonight and we're talk- maybe you've joined us for, for multiple weeks over the course of this series. And we've talked about sex and we've talked about marriage and we've talked about all this stuff. And maybe you resonate with this and you, you like what we're talking about, but, but you've never taken the initial step of allowing God to change you. And you've never taken that step of saying, man, God, I understand my desperate need for you. That because of my sin, I'm separated from you. And so marriage is just a, uh, is a pipe dream. And I can never fully experience that because I've never given my heart over to you. And so maybe you're in the room tonight and you've never taken that step of faith. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And the cool thing is, is it, it, it doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in this area. It doesn't matter what you know, your past may say or what you've done up to this point. That God can set you free. That God can redeem you. That you may still suffer consequences because of that, but God can set you free and give you life. And so I would just challenge you guys in the room, and I know in a room this size and with this many people that there are some of you in the room that have never taken that step. And so it doesn't really matter what we talk about in terms of sex or marriage and for you to be able to experience that until you first trusted Christ as your Savior. Now for those of us in the room that have, we've, we've made that profession of faith, we've given our heart over to Jesus. Man, the challenge for us is then to, to, to guard our heart that God has redeemed so that we, rather than buying into all of this, the filth and all the things that the world pollutes and distorts, but rather we would set our eyes on Jesus and say, man, God, because you have set me free, because you've redeemed me, and now because the picture of marriage is an incredible picture of your commitment to the church, man, God, I want to do it your way. And as difficult as it is in this culture, as hard as it may be some days, God, I'm committed to doing whatever I can to guard my heart because when I do that, it determines the course of my life. And when I guard my heart and am committed to the truth and doing it your way, God, it leads to life. And so I I hope, man, for for all of us in the room, maybe you've resonated with different stories and different things that, that have been said, but... For us to walk out of this room, not signing a pledge card, you know, not doing any of that kind of stuff, but just saying, man, God, I want to do it your way. I want to do it your way. God, I understand that you have created it, and because you have created God, you know how it works. You know how it's supposed to be played out. And so for us to be committed to saying, man, God, I want it your way. And so God, give me the strength, give me everything that I need to guard my heart in this culture that sometimes seems impossible. Because I know when I do that, God, it leads to life. And so, man, that's our challenge for you because we love you, we care about you, and we want you guys to not get caught up in all of the crap that's in the world, but be committed to doing it the way that God has created for it to be done. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this night. God, thank you for everything that you've done. God, thank you for the incredible worship. God, thank you for uh, Jeremy and Mary and show God, for their willingness to, to be here and to share their hearts, and just to share their past and their experiences. God, I, that verse, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. God, I know that there are students in the room tonight that, that have, have never trusted you. And so God, they can't guard their heart because you've never redeemed it. You've never given them a new heart. You've never set them free. God, I pray that there would be students in the room tonight. God, as we go to groups in just a few minutes, 
God would take that step and say, man, I've never trusted you as Savior. And tonight would be the night that changes everything for them. God, I pray for students in the room maybe that have, their past is ugly in this area. Maybe they've made mistakes. Maybe they've bought into the lies. They've gone down roads that they never thought that they would go down, and it has cost them things. And they look at their life, and they go, man, can you, God, can you really redeem this? Or can you do anything with this? Or is it too late because I've already made mistakes? God, I pray that you would help us to understand, God, that there is forgiveness. God, that you can restore us, you can redeem us, you can wipe our sins away. And God, you can, if, no matter how far off the path we've gotten, God, you can bring us back, back to the path that leads to life. So God, I pray wherever we are tonight, God, I pray that you would grab a hold of our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that as it comes to love and marriage, God, that we would be committed to doing it your way. If we claim to love you, as Sho said, God, that we would, we would not falsely represent you, but God, we would be committed to doing it your way, no matter how... Um, no matter how the world may, may get it to, to, to seem like it's, um, it's perfect and there's no harm or any of that kind of stuff. But God, we would be committed to doing it your way because you know best. So God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.